Okay, good morning everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Chaf Vav in Maseches Chayiga. Tzvi Tapper behind the Bima refers to it as the penultimate Daf in Maseches Chayiga. You see what Chaf Zion looks like, Andrew? It's a, it's a little shtickle. So let's, let's see what we do today. Let's reorient ourselves. How did our parak start? We talked about the Chumras that Hekdesh has over Truma. Where we find ourselves today is in the city of Modi'in. Modi'in, where my oldest sons all went to high school, Marova, is near Modi'in. It's in Moshav Matityahu. Um, you have to do, do like this. Take the 443, straight shot from Yerushalayim. If you keep going past Modi'in, you'll end up at the airport on the 443. Um, Esti did that by accident in the pouring rain. We actually had a snow that night this year. Uh, and she got really lost. The 443 is not quite as big as Kvish Echad. But let's assume this is predates Kvish Echad, and we only have the 443. Why? Because our Mishnah talks about a fascinating halacha that has to do with the suspension of our concern for the, um, the Tumah with respect to Truma. So again, to reorient ourselves with regards to the beginning of the parak, we said the ways in which Hektish is more chamer than Truma. Now, we've, the tables have turned, Andrew. We're going to talk about the ways in which Truma is more Chamer than Hekdesh. So, um, to make an oversweeping generalization, if I may, uh, I'll just say, conceptually, the ways that the Hekdesh is more Chamer than Truma has to do with what we called induction, right? That once you know that something's Tameh, then you really need to be fully uh, immersed in, in uh, Tahara in order to remove the Tameh for purposes of using it for Hekdesh. Right? So we said, if you're holding one thing, you're holding it in one hand, uh, in one hand, it's, your other hand is going to be tame. Or if a kli becomes tame, it, uh, for purposes of hectares, all of its components through and through is going to be tame. And you're going to have to, um, to cleanse that entire kli. But with respect, so in that sense, hectares, we said 11 different ways or 10 different ways in which hectares is more chamer than truma. The ways in which truma are more chamer than hectares essentially, are going to be because of the fact that truma, as we said, the way perhaps uh, to modern, modernize it, to make it relatable, is hekdesh was like shul behavior, right? So everyone's in their best behavior in shul when they're going to bring it to the base of mikdash, right? However, truma was part of daily life. So you had to be more concerned, right, because you were more uh, sort of, you had it, it was everywhere. So truma would be like kashras, where you have to make sure that... Um, we have to make sure that there is no intermingling of the Tumah with regards to Truma. So in that regards, with regards to the safeguards against the daily life, the Truma was more uh, Chamor. That's like a sweeping overgeneralization. But without further ado, let's read it inside. The last Mishnah on Chafeim and Beis, four lines up from the bottom. Mishnah, Mina Modi'in Velifnim Ne'emanim Al-Kli Cheres. So this is going to be with regards to uh, another way where Truma is more Chamor than Kodesh. So what's mean modin velifnim? So I'll say it. What the Gemara is going to say, I'll give it away. We really want to start believing ameha aretz. Okay, regarding whether the status of klicheres are actually uh, tahar. Okay. So again, ameha aretz, as we'll see, okay, are going to be trusted. So what is this? Is this with regards to truma or with regards to Hektish, we're going to see. We're going to see. But let's see this first Rashi. Odin Rashi sets the scene. Says Rashi, 
Modi'in Shem Krach Rechok Mirishalayim, Tesvav Mil. You take a straight shot on the 443 from Yerushalayim, 15 miles, like it says in Mesechus Psachim, Mimenu Velifnim, Nitzad Yerushalayim, Neemanim Kader Nama Arts, Likach Mehem Klicheres, Hadakin. As we will see, this will all be discussed in the Gemara, that you are believed when you have a thin Klicheres, Kigon Kteros, Kostos, Kitonios, right, drugs, plates, right, and, uh, and cups, Pshi'i Efshar Belohem, Belohem. In other words, like this, you can't survive without cups. We have uh, my son Moshe is finally moving out after he, they moved in before Rosh Hashanah. You should see the amount of paper cups. Anyway, so you can't survive without cups. Um, so what's the issue? In Yerushalayim, they would never, this is one of the city ordinances. You know how uh, when you build in Yerushalayim, you have to build with Jerusalem stone in order to preserve the golden beauty of the stone. That's true still today. In those days, they were also concerned for the beauty of the golden stones of Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim Shel Zahav, and as it were, and therefore they did not allow the smoking up of the Kifshan in the making of Cheres, because the black ashened uh, uh, residue would go on the stones, it would make Yerushalayim look gray and ashen. They did not want to look, uh, ruin the look, literally. And therefore, all of that kind of activity had to happen outside of Yerushalayim, right? Lola Sid, and, and therefore what? Therefore there was a short supply of these klecheres, and that's why, Wow, we can't really imagine such a thing in Hilchus, so to speak, kashrus, uh, but the bottom line is that we had to believe them. Hmm, I don't know, do we really believe them? Well, when it comes to Amearetz, usually we said, up until now, we assume that, that, that whatever they touch is tummy. But we suspend that assumption for the sake of their earthenware because we need the earthenware. So we need the earthenware and therefore we're going to believe them. But only as they come close to your shalim. Why as they come close to your shalim? Because your shalim is where you're going to bring all of this earthenware. As we're going to see, you're going to come and you're going to be Ola Regal. Where is this all headed? It's actually a fascinating idea. We are finishing soon enough. And the reason I'm taking my time here, I'm giving, my, I'm indulging myself is because we have only like a quarter of a daf tomorrow. And so it's fascinating to me that Chagiga ends with the after party. And Chagiga ends with after all of the uh, Regalim are done, we find ourselves cleaning up after the Regalim. But before we clean up, and we're going to yet read it in the Gemara today, we will see. Uh, right now we're going to talk about Modi'in and inwards. But you should know that when it came to the Regalim themselves, every Amha'aretz, this is a Gzair Sakasov, we say, we learned it, I should say, from a Pasuk. Really, it's a Pasuk and Navi, whether it's a Gzair Sakasov or not, uh, we'll see. But the article quotes the Rambam in Mornevuchim to say that every Amha'aretz throughout all of Yantiv, through the Regalim, was treated as a Chaver had a status of a chaver in order to do what? To create camaraderie between Klal Yisrael. So much so, and this is something that we can't even necessarily relate to today, that they suspended all of the halachas, ironically, of Tuma and Tara for the entire regal. Uh, not all, uh, scratch that, scratch it from the tape. I'm not going to say that suspend all halachas of Tuma and Tara, forget that. If something was Tameh, of course we were going to. But 
what I mean to say is they suspended all the suspicion of Amaaretz, treating Amaaretz like Tomei. If they touched your stuff, they suspended that suspicion and they treated every Amaaretz like a Chavar. That's the correct way to say it, as we will see. Okay, but I've said way too much. Let's, let's continue to read. So first of all, like this. So again, as you get close to your Shalim, the Gemara will explain why. They, they're believed However, let's say you're in Haifa and you're, buy, and you're buying earthenware from a, right, a, a potter, a potter is somebody who makes pottery. Then the, at that point, the right, Amayarits are not trusted. Now we're going to see, right, um, what we're going to say to the people in themselves. And there I'll say it outside again. Yankel Shmerel Pipik is coming from New York for, to do what? He wants to be Euler Regel. He comes from the airport, straight shot 443 through, to, towards Yerushalayim. Modi'in is the first spot where he can start buying earthenware from just about anybody, where he doesn't have to worry Right, about getting Badat's earthenware. The best deals, all his buddies say, are inside Modin, because there you could get the real Israelis who are selling. Those are the best guys to get from. Now we know that inside of Modin, towards Yerushalayim, you certainly can buy. Modin itself is where you're going to start seeing some sellers. Can you buy in Modin itself? That's what the Mishnah and the Gemara is going to start to discuss. Ketzad. So how does this look? So, Hakedar Shu Mocher Kaderos, you have a potter who sells pottery, he entered from the Yerushalayim side, right, towards Modi'in. That potter, and regarding those pots and those per- purchasers, what does all this mean? It means, um, and as Rashi explains, in other words, uh, I'll say it outside, you can't import who hakedar. We're going to see this again in, in, the, in the Gemara. Hu HaKedar means you can't import. This is a fascinating idea that we're going to see in the Gemara, which is that it has to be the potter. Meaning, let's say the manufacturer, you know, Barry, a lot of people don't realize this. Before he lived in Baltimore, he lived in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. But before he lived in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, he, was, he used to make pot, pottery in, uh, in Haifa. Oh. So he would come from Haifa. Now, when he sells from Haifa, right, he... When he sells from Haifa, he cannot, this is what he cannot do. He cannot produce the pottery and then have a storefront that Andrew's managing in Modi'in. It has to be Barry himself selling it. In other words, if you're going to be the one that sell it, we have to stand behind your product. You have to be the one in the store because after all, that would sort of ruin the whole point. The point is that we're, if, as long as you're willing to put your money where your mouth is, or I should say, as long as you're willing to stand behind your product, then we're going to believe you that your cheres is tahor. But we're not going to believe you if you don't have skin in the game, right? If all you're doing is producing it and then hiring Andrew to tell people that the cheres is tahor. We're not even going to believe you if Andrew lives in Modi'in, right? That's not going to help. Certainly if, and, if you lived in Modi'in, Barry, and you produced the cheres in Modi'in, and you stood there at your stall in Modi'in to sell the pottery, we believe you. But if you just are sending somebody else, or if you're sending part of your inventory, and you're having Andrew manage the whole store, we're not going to believe you, you have to be present. So that means, hu hakedar, right? Ve hakederos, means it has to be these very pots. 
In other words, both the potter and his pottery have to be present in order for us to believe them. And again, it has to be those purchases, uh, it has to be those people uh, who, who would believe. In other words, if the, percher, if the person who buying the pot does not himself see, this is the third idea, right, that the Mishnah is alluding to, he does not himself see Barry entering Modi'im with his pots, then you can't trust him either. So that's, uh, that's quite a limitation indeed with regards to knowing people who are coming outside of Modi'in and what they have to go through in order to verify that they are from the inside. So this is all a long way of saying that people from outside Modi'in, meaning towards the airport and beyond, towards Haifa, right, those people um, can also sell, sell their wares. In other words, you're a pottery salesman. Everyone wants to buy their pottery. Where's all the action? From inside, from Modi'in, towards Yerushalayim. So obviously, to sell, to sell tchotchkes to, to, the, to the Christians going to Capernaum, I mean, you can make a little bit of a living that way, but all the action is where? It's all oh, towards Yerushalayim. It's all the Yidin, that, that's the Kibbutz Goliath, the Sheibanim, uh, right? So obviously, you can live in Haifa and sell in Yerushalayim, or sell in Modi'in and inward, but you're going to have to bring the stuff yourself. Anyway, Naaman, in that case. Now, Yatza, Yatza, we'll see what the Gemara, what that means. If you left Modi'in heading away from Yerushalayim towards the airport, Eino Naaman, right? And therefore, at that point, we don't believe you, and we'll see why. So, without further ado, the Gemara says, Tana, Modi'in. What about Modi'in itself? Right? So we're talking about up until Modi'in is the borderline. But what about if you're selling, or if you're setting up a stall in Modi'in itself? So it says the Gemara, Pamim Kilifim, Pamim Kilchutz. Depending on the circumstance, sometimes Modi'in is going to be considered uh, towards Yerushalayim, in which case you will be Ne'eman, uh, to say that it's Tahar, and sometimes it's going to be considered outside Ketzad. So, what's the case? So, Kedar Yotzei V'chaver Nichnas. Okay. Barry, as we said, is a famous potter. Barry Potter. Get it? Okay, so Barry is a famous potter, and he's coming out of, Yerusha, of Modi'in towards the airport. V'chaver Nichnas. And, and Andrew's coming to visit from Baltimore, and he's entering into town. So, Kilifnim. That's as if Kilifnim. Why? So Rashi is explaining. In other words, Barry says to Andrew, I'll meet you in Modi'in. Barry's allowed, uh, Andrew's allowed to um, buy the, right, the Klicheres from Barry Potter because HaKedar lo yachzor od lacharav. Barry's heading back to Haifa, right? He's not going back. How do you like that? An application of the Mishnah Navos. This is a, Dovar Ovid, right? It's like a, I don't mean in a halachic sense, but it's an opportunity. Barry's going home towards Haifa. Andrew just got here. He's heading to Yerushalayim. So their meeting point is Modi'in. So it's because of that direction. The bottom line is like this. I'll explain to you outside. Again, ideally, we want all of it to be really internal towards Yerushalayim, not in actual Modi'in. So in any situation, where Andrew should have or could have gotten the pottery closer to Yerushalayim, we're only going to let him get it there. We're not going to let him wait until he gets to Modi'in. You know, Andrew's trying to save a couple of shekel because Modi'in is where the best deals are and where it's easiest to find the place. As you get closer, just like the Havdil, right, the closer you get to, I don't know, a ball game, right, so then you want to buy merch. So all the merchandise inside the ballpark, or let's say you're buying a Coke, 
right? So water, let's say, outside of the ballpark is going to be a dollar, inside the ballpark is going to be $12, right? And it just gets more, more expensive as you get in. And they're not selling water, right? So they're starting to sell the water, so to speak, in Modi'in, and that's where it's the cheapest. Andrew doesn't want to spend 12 times the amount, right, uh, right in, in Mevaseret, as it were, or in Beit Meir, when it's closer to Yerushalayim. But he has his pottery guy, Barry Potter. He knows him from, from back in the day. And so Barry, however, is going back home. So in that circumstance, because that's going to be his only chance to buy it, and he's on his way in, we're going to let Andrew buy it. That's going to be his opportunity. However, says the Gemara, Keshem Shneim Nichnasim, right? As we finally arrive at Chavav, Amr Aleph, O Shneim Yotzin, then gets Kelachutz. So again, right? If both of them are going inside, it's, it, I'll, I'll say it outside. If both of them are going towards Yerushalayim, right? Barry's going to sell towards Yerushalayim. So then the Chazal will say, wait until you get closer in. We prefer that you buy it inside of Modi'in. Or if both of them are leaving. If both of them are leaving, then we'll tell Andrew, well, you should have bought this earlier when you were inside. So either way, the only time when we're going to let you buy in Modi'in itself is if Barry's leaving and Andrew's coming in. And that's the only time the point and place and time where we're going to say that this transaction makes sense in Modi'in itself. But in every other situation, if you're both coming in from Yerushalayim, then Andrew should have bought it sooner. And if you're both, right, if you're both leaving Yerushalayim, I should say, then Andrew should have bought it when he was in Yerushalayim or closer. And if you're both uh, going in, so then wait until you get closer in and buy it there. So Amar Baye, Afana Nami Tanina. Yeah, this sounds... This sounds like a diuk in our Mishnah, because after all, our Mishnah said, Right, we said if the potter sold the Kederos and entered uh, inside Modi'in, that is a diuk, right? The reason why we're letting him, we're believing him that it's Tahar, right, we're going to get into this whole, the Gemara's going to ask, why do we believe him? We haven't discussed why we believe him yet. First, we're going to iron out the details of where he can sell it. But the reason is because he's inside Modi'in. Ha-Modi'in gufa la But Modi'in itself should not be the ideal place to be believed. Or we should not believe them when they sell the pottery in Modi'in uh, to say that it's Tahar. However, Ema Seifa, Yatsa Eino Neman, right? So what Abai is pointing out, an internal contradiction in our Mishnah. Adoresha makes it sound like in Modi'in itself we don't believe him. However, the Seifa says, Yatsa Eino Neman, that once he goes out, he's not believed. Hamodi'in Gufa Neman. And therefore, the Reisha implies that, that Modi'in is not Neman. And the Seifa implies the Modi'in itself is Neman. So which is it? So you have to say, In the case, right, in the Seifa, it has to be Kader Yotzei V'chaver Nechnas, the case that we talked about before, where, An- where um, Barry's going home and he's leaving, and Andrew just arrived in, in Israel, and therefore this is the only time and place where they can make the transaction, and that is the Seifa, which implies that Modin is okay. However, the Reisha is Kan B'Shishneim Yotzein or Shishneim Nechnas, Nechnasin, right? The, the Reisha is when either Bar- when Barry and Andrew are either all going out or leaving Shmami Nah. And so Abaye is saying that this analysis of our Mishnah is actually implied in the, in the uh, diuk of the Mishnah, and we go forward. So now we're six lines up from the wide on Chafav Amad Aleph, and we say the following. Amayar, it's a trusting regarding Tara. The Gemara is going to qualify now. Tana, as we said, we're going to believe with regards to what? The small, we already said this, the thin, small pots, 
the, the thin, small cups, um, and they can be used for Kodesh. Okay. Now we're getting a sense of what this mission is doing here, because after all, for Kodesh we believe them. Ah, but they're not, right, for Truma. That's what we're talking about. We're not going to be able to use them for Truma. So again, Tzvi Topper behind the Bima won't be able to use these Kalim to, to eat his Truma. What is this in purpose for? This is to use for Kachim in Yerushalayim. Barry, that's what all this has to do with Yerushalayim. It's the Kodesh. Truma is Begvulin, as we've discussed, right? Truma is not a Yerushalayim-centric issue. Truma is an issue for Kahanim all over Israel, right? But Kodesh is a Yerushalayim-centric issue. So what is happening here? We're suspending the disbelief of the Amea Aretz, right, as we get closer to Yerushalayim because it needs to be used for Hekdesh. And we need to have enough pots because we're not making pots in Yerushalayim. None of this has to do with Truma. For Truma, we never, we never suspend that. For Truma, you have to have, you have to buy it from a chaver. Okay? That is what is happening in our Mishnah here. That is what Rashi wants to say this is about. That it has to be that we are believing him for the cups and the, the forks because those are utensils that must be used. Why does Rabbi Pinchas Gross Shlita say that these last dapim and chagiga are harder than Yavamas and the most difficult dapim, amongst the most difficult dapim and shas? It's not because I can't give you push up shot and just go and use the art scroll uh, to, to really understand and make it relatable. It's because if you really want to learn Eon, Andrew, you could lose your mind. So like, for example, Rashi says, the third line in Rashi, so he tells us what he just says, what I said. Rashi, I, what I just explained was the parish Rashi that he came up with. And then Rashi says towards the end of the third line, He heard something from his Rebbeim. He remembers when he was in Yeshiva, he heard something else. I'm very um, skeptical of what I learned. I can't imagine that's what I learned. That they thought that a small clee, not to get too far into it, but a small clee has to do with the aperture of how much of a finger could go in because the Tumah. And basically what Rashi is saying is that it doesn't fit with what his concept of Tumah and Tara is and how it's transferred. And he doesn't think this has anything to, anything to do with actual Tumah transference. In other words, small Kalim, according to Rashi, just so that you know, full disclosure, Andrew, Right, some of Farshim, Rashi says, when he was growing up, said that it has to do with the actual tumah. That's why he's believed or not believed, because like we we're, we think that the tum- it's less susceptible to tumah. Rashi says it has nothing to do with that. It's all tummy, right? Essentially, or it all could be suspected of being tummy. Elamai, we are suspending our disbelief of the Amaharites because it's exer sheif shariachal as he had said uh, earlier. That it's it, we're suspending it, and and again he has the support of what we're go, of of the climax over here, which we're going to have, which is that all the v'yamayaritz are going to be lechaverin. So when you put what Rashi's doing is putting together context. We're talking about areas of Nehemanus, and we're talking about soon enough we're going to say that all of the amayaritz are treating treated like chaverin, and we're talking about gezeros where we're machmir 
and we're making, but not talking about mamish transference of tumah. That's not the context here. The context here is how much do we believe, right, the Yamei Aretz with regards to tumah, and so that when we talk about the difference between small kalim and larger vats, as we're about to discuss, so he thinks in context that what it means is the usage rate, right? It means that the small kalim we have to, we have to use, and therefore there is not enough supply in Yerushalayim, and therefore we have to expand the chain of supply, the supply chain, because of the, because otherwise we're never going to have enough. And then once we don't have enough and there's desperation, then it becomes a gzer shi'ev yachol, right? Once you have that, then it, you're going to start seeing everything, everybody's values disintegrate. And we can't allow that to happen, so we expand the, the uh, supply chain. Good. Okay. That's all in those words. How do you like that? That's a hawk. Okay. Amar Eish Lakish. With regards to the Salacha, we have Machlokas Amaraim here. It says like this. V'hu shenitlan b'yoda achas. V'rabi Yochanan Amar. Yochanan and Eish Lakish are arguing. Eish Lakish says that this, this permit, so to speak, is only how do you, how do you um, define a small vessel has to be one that can be carried in one hand. Rabbi Yochanan is just saying, what? That which is convenient. In other words, it's not defined. Okay, once you're going to get into the Mishnah so to speak, right? The halacha of what's considered a small vessel that you could be believed on. So then it either you could get technical that it has to be held by one hand. Or you could just say, no, something that you can carry conveniently. Even if you need two hands to carry it. But as long as it's small enough, it's convenient to carry around, that's good enough, and we'll call it a small um, cle- uh, uh, pot, um, pottery pot for that sir, uh, purpose. Another uh, related machlokas reish lakish reb yochanan ama reish lakish loshano el reikanan of mleim lo reb yochanan afil mleim. Wow, that the vessels have to be empty, but in the case of a full vessel, we're not going to trust the amaret. So reb yochanan says even if it's a full vessel. This doesn't mean apikarsus. This means his cloth. His cloth. Now, even if his cloth is in it, whoa. Why is that? Said Rashi. So Rashi is taking it to the extreme, which is to say, Rashi is explaining there's a fundamental machlokas for Yochanan Reish Lakish as follows. Are we concerned that the inside has to be consistent with the outside? We've already talked about this, uh, right? We saw it in the case of Hektesh, where we were trying Mishum Eva not to tell, you know, to, to, not to, to, we were telling the, right, the Amaritz that the contents and, um, uh, and the food was kosher inside the pot, which we knew that we treated as Tameh because he was an Amaritz. So here too, you have the jug. So, if the jug is empty, says Reish Lakish, only then can we suspend this belief and say, listen, this jug is empty, but once the jug is full, says Reish Lakish, that's a bridge too far to cross. We know that we treat the contents that's not hektish as Tameh, right? We know that the contents are Tameh. So we're going we're gonna to say that the contents are Tameh, but the, what, receptacle is Tahar? How is that even physically possible? So you can't split the baby, says Reish Lakish. And therefore, if the contents are Tameh, the uh, receptacle has to be consistent with that. But Rabbi Yochanan disagrees. Rabbi Yochanan says, even if the contents are Tameh, the receptacle itself could be tar. That's what Rashi is saying. That, 
It's not Kodesh, it's Chulin. It's considered Tameh in every other circumstance. But still, the Kli is going to be considered Tahar. That's how far this Gezerah, or, or the, right, this, this Kula, really, that's how far this Kula goes. Let, let, let's clarify this within Rabbi Yochanan. Look at this. In other words, Rabbi Yochanan is not arguing that the, and saying that the actual Mashkin are Tahar. He agrees to that. The Al Titma, don't. Be shocked, Barry. You're slack jaw. You're in disbelief. Don't be. Don't be shocked. Why? Sharei login male mashkin. Because we do have a case in all us, Barry. In the fifth parak, where we say that if you have a wooden flask and it's filled with liquid, right, and it's protected from what? Tumas mace by an earthen, by, by a klicheres. Login tmein, tumas shiva. So in that case, we say that the flask is tame, uh, tumas shiva as any Thing that would be Tamei Mace would be Umashkin Taharim. In other words, we have the converse case in Alos, where we have the right the flask Tamei and the liquid Tahar. Why that is the halacha in Alos is is quite a right is quite a discourse indeed. But be that as it may, suffice it to say that we see that within Darabanan. Now be careful, Andrew. This is all within the sphere of Darabanans. But when it comes to the Gezeros Derabanan, right, obviously with Daraisa, Tuma is Tuma. And that's important. It can't be overemphasized. <laughs> I mean, Daraisa, Tuma is Tuma, and, it, and, 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 and like I cautioned myself and corrected myself before, we're not talking about Hilchas Tuma and Tahar here. We're not saying, oh, something that we know is Tame, we're going to declare Tahar. It's not exactly how it works. We're just saying the Derabanan decrees of suspending uh, and saying that this is not, in other words, typically we are machmir, and we're saying that an amaritz is assumed to be tame. Well, guess what? We're going to lift that derabanan chumra assumption for the purposes of the regalim. So here, here too, when you have a decree derabanan, you can't just assume that one thing is tame because of the other. So whereas with tuma, certainly, if the contents of a kli is going to be tame, the kli is going to be tame if it was really tame. But with regards to the degree derabanan. We, we can say that we're machmer on, let's say, the inside and not on the outside. Or in the case of Olos, we're machmer on the outside, right? The logins made to Meshiva, Mashkin Taharin. And the inside is Tar, which is, so even though that's the converse case, right, where we are machmer on the outside and we are not machmer on the inside, in our case, it's the opposite. We are machmer on the inside and we treat the inside as Tameh, Durab- albeit Durabanan, but, right, the vessel and the contents don't need to be consistent. And that's why Rabbi Yochanan says that even when we know, as Rashi says, that the inside is to be treated as Tamei Darabanan, the outside can be considered Tahar. And therefore, therein lies the Machlokes, Reish and Rabbi Yochanan, where we say that, sure enough, even with full vessels, you're going to be able to buy the earthenware vessels and, you know, spill out the contents, wash it out, and treat it as a Tahar Kli. How do you like that, Barry? Okay, next Mishnah. Uh, second wide line on Chafav Um Two final chumras of Truma over Hektish as follows. Number one. The tax collectors. And I see a fascinating case. Right? Somebody stole, you had a ganif, he stole your kli, and then he does what? As we'll see in the Gemara, he does tshuva. You know, there's a mitzvah to return a stolen item and to do tshuva. So he does, he does so, believe it or not. So you can imagine, the God comes back to you and he returns your clay to you. 
So he's an Amaretz par excellence. Are you going to believe him that it was Tahar? So let's see. So Neimanim Lomar Lo Nagus. How do you like this? They're believed to say, oh, I didn't touch this. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're believed with regards to Hektesh. That's what the Mishnah is trying to say. But not with regards to Truma. This is a case, again, where Truma is more Chamor than Hektesh. So now we're going to explain. Now, if you look, the art school goes, goes through it. The Mishnah doesn't explain a lot, but it's funny. There's actually two very different ways to understand this Mishnah, and it's in the Mepharshim. It's not even really in the Rashi. You have to dig a little deeper. So I'll say it outside. <coughs> One way is this has to do with Cheres within Modi'in, right? And Cheres within Modi'in, we believe them, right? We said that. The Cheres within Modi'in, we believe, but that's a, that's a Kula for Hekdesh. It's not a Kula, as we've said, for Truma. Okay, so you have your tax collectors coming in, and you have your Ganavim, and they're returning it. So in that case, the question is, Cheres within Modi'in, we believe everyone. Ah, but you have to bring out the Ganavim, because they're, what? They're low lives. And therefore, it's a special halacha in our Mishnah that even Ganavim are believed to say that they didn't touch it. That's one way to learn it. The other way to learn it is the exact opposite. That the Mishnah is referring not about Cheres within Modi'in, but elsewhere they're believed. Aye, but what are we, why are we going to believe this Ganav outside Modi'in? We only believe regular people inside Modi'in. No, he's a Balshuva. Because uh, how do you know that he's a Balshuva? Because he brought, brought it back. So therefore, because he's a Balshuva, and by the way, not only is he a Balshuva, but he has nothing to gain. Like, what does he care whether it's Tamei Atar? He returned it to you. He has nothing to gain or lose, so he has an extra level of them on us, such that even outside of Modi'in is believed. So two different ways to learn this fascinating halacha that when Gabayim, the tax collectors, enter your house, what's going on with the tax collectors that enter your house? They seize uh, some property. That's how they used to do it. That it used to be a lot more convenient. You didn't have to file taxes. They filed them for you. They came and took the taxes from your house. And when they did, they would touch everything. They would just go around. So now we're going to see the Gemara. Sometimes they would have the Gentile with them, sometimes not. And that would definitely influence the, the Tumah. But the question is, do you believe them when they're messing around with your house? You're assuming that they're Tame. Because the tax collector is always, they, it's never a yeshiva guy. Tax collectors is always a guy who went to college and, and, is, and, is, um, and is considered to be an Amaretz. So, but so the question is, do you believe them when they say, I didn't touch everything in your house? So let's see. That's the first halacha. And second, in Yerushalayim, Ne'manim ala Kodesh. In Yerushalayim, there the Amayarets are trusted with regards to Kodesh, right? Um, but we'll see what it has to do with the, with the large vessels, right? Because it's related. In Yerushalayim, regarding Kodesh, Uvishasaregel, Afala Truma. And then as we see, during the, the Regel, then they're trusted. That's the one case where you're going to be trusted even on the, on the Truma, which is where the Me'iri quotes that every Amaretz is treated like a Chaver. That is an incredible thing. So let's see, says the Gemara. Uriminhi, wait a minute. Tax collectors are believed to say that they didn't touch it? What about the Mishnah and Tahoros, the seventh parakah? The, the Gantza house is Chazer Treif. What are you talking about? You have a Gabayim in this, says the Gemara. Yeah, if he brought his, the, the, the Gentile with him, so then, that's our Mishnah where he doesn't have him. Where he, where, and the Mishnah Taurus is where he does have him with him. 
right? Because where he has the Gentile with him, everything is going to be considered. Tell me why it's not? Because that's what we learned in that mission to Horus. Right? If the Nachri is there, then he's believed, it's like Pesha Asa, Pesha Yeter, he's believed to say that we didn't enter. He cannot be believed to say that we entered, but we didn't touch it. In other words, if you say we didn't enter, then okay. If you didn't enter, we believe you. Uh, but if you say that we entered, then once the Gentile's in the house, he's like a bull in a china shop, there's no such thing as him entering and not touching everything. That's just the way they roll. Wait a minute. And wait, what's the reason to not trust him just because it's a Nachri? So there is two ways of looking at it. In other words, are we afraid that the Nachri has clout? And what is he? He's like going to be the boss. He's going to make sure that everybody touches everything. And therefore, if he makes sure that everybody touches everything, so then we're going to have no recourse but to touch everything because we're afraid of him. Or maybe, even though he himself is a lightweight, the Nachri, he is going to report back to the government. And the government wants to know that everything was thoroughly searched. In other words, how does tax collection work, Andrew? They evaluate all your assets by checking everywhere to see how much you have, and then they take a portion. So obviously they're turning everything over and they're touching all your stuff. That's how they do it. So if you had just an Ehrlich guy coming to collect so that he's not going to bother, he's going to believe you and he's going to take whatever you say, he's not going to touch everything. But, you know, once the Nachri is there, that's when serious, that's like the IRS is showing up with the collector and they're not going to, and that's like an audit, okay? They're not going to leave any stone unturned and therefore once they go inside, we have to trust that they touched everything. So my be now what is the difference whether they care about the municipality or whether you are nervous about the IRS um, officer himself? Yeah, he's not really an IRS officer, he's an apprentice, he's really more a secretarial job. Nobody's afraid of him. He doesn't report, he, he does not, um, right, uh, he does not scare anyone, but if he does, in fact, report back to the, right, to the authorities, so then if you hold it, the problem is that he's going to report back, then you're concerned. And if you hold it, the problem is the guy himself, so then you are not concerned. Fine. So then we said to Dad, What is this fascinating case of a guy who stole your stuff and returned it? Whether we trust him to say that it's Tars. Says the Gemara. Or Rimini, that is against a Mishnah in Tahorus, as follows. It says, Somebody went into your house. Anywhere where you think he was, right? So you know that you have certain places in the attic that, right, the, the lock re- remained untouched, and you know, therefore, that he didn't go in there. But anywhere where you suspect he checked and went in, it's considered Tame. Right, this sounds like a limitation, but it's really an expansion. In other words, it's not tummy. The only rooms that are tummy are the rooms that you know he went in. Yeah, but the rooms that he went in, you know that those are completely tummy. That's the issue. That's Kenegadar Mishnah. Because we say that he can, if he returns it and says that it was tar, even though it was clearly in his possession, right? This he wasn't just in the room. This was literally in his hands. And yet we believe him to say that it's tar. And yet we have the Mishnah, right, into Horus to say that anywhere that, that he touched, it's considered Tameh. So, Sa'amar of Pinchas, Mishmei de Rava, Tshuva. Yeah. Well, obviously, we're talking about Hamachzir Geneva. If it's a case where we don't know uh, where this, our stuff is, but we know Aganev was here, so then you have to assume that he touched everything and looked for everything and just took all the valuables and that everything is Tameh. But here, that's a totally different case, our case. Our case is when he's returning it to you. Well, he did Shuva. Once he did Shuva, we have to believe 
that he is more trusted. And that is, in fact, Meduyak in our Mishnah, Daikanami. Dektani Sheikh Zirus Akalim. Yeah. The case of our mission is when they returned it. Shmami na. So we have to learn that it has to do a case where they did tshuva, and therefore that's what it's that's why it's okay. Now the mission says Yushalayim ne'mani mal kodesh tana ne'mani mal klecheres gasin lakodesh. Then Yushalayim, right? They're trusted with the large vessels. Okay. In other words, in Yushalayim itself. In other words, in Yushalayim, chaverim can just purchase the the thick, right barrels from Ameirat. So kolkach lama. Whoa! Says the Gemara. Why are we so mekel? <laughs> like makel to the maximum. Large earthenware vessels purchased from Amai Aretz and even small ones as far, and small ones even as far as the Modi'in, the Gemara says, that which Rashi pointed out before, it's a supply issue, right? Because of the fact that we can't have um, all this, right, Azor Tasiyah, we can't have all these billowing, right, furnaces in Yerushalayim ruining the golden uh, beauty of the Yushalayim stone, and we ha- we have to uh, keep the, uh, widen the supply chain. And finally, all those were ways in which Kodesh was less machmir than Truma, because Truma, we don't allow any of this, except for when? During the festival. Where do we know that? We have a Pasuk. So again, this Pasuk is in Shoftim. But be that as it may, the Pasuk says, In other words, it's not a Gzairus Akasuf per se, but it is a Pasuk in Navi that says that all, may, may this uh, Pasuk be Mekuyam soon, right? That all the, all the Klal Yisrael should be gathered in the city like one man, like one pe- people, right? Chaverim, Chaverim Kol Yisrael. Hakasuf Asan Kulan Chaverim. The Pasuk is calling everybody as Chaverim. <coughs> so, so this is the Maritz Chiyas, quotes the Rama and Mor Nebuchim. That's what we saw in the art school. The whole, what's the whole point? The rabbis recognize there's not going to be true comradeship if uh, if you say to another person, I'm not going to eat your standards. I can't break bread with you. And if you do that, there's going to be no achdas. And to promote achdas, incredible. This is, again... Uh, the achdus of, we want to promote achdus of Kali Israel, and therefore we can't barely relate to this, but we're going to, say, I don't know how else to say it, but relax the kasha standards in order to allow everybody to eat with each other during the regal. How else do I say this, right? Because that was the kashras of those days. Now again, the Durabonans, right? We're not going to say that which, you know, you're not going to sit around eating chazer treif, right? You're not going to sit around eating uh, anything that you know is tameh, chas v'shalom, right? But we are going to relax the Badat's rules for the, the Chag. It's an amazing thing with regards to the suspicion of one another uh, with regards to Tomentara. And what you hope is that if you do so, then those people who are coming special for the Regal will, will, right, will respond and make sure that they're tar and kind, right? Okay. So now as, as the legendary um, Rabbi Shechter enters, we're going to... Our, our Rabbi Shechter... Um, we're going to uh, do the next Mishnah. So now we're talking about a chaver opening his barrel of wine and he's starting to sell a new batch of dough on the regel. Fascinating halacha. As we finish Maseches Moed and we've discussed all of the regalim, now we're going to talk about the after party. So we just said an amazing halacha uh, and the halacha is that in, during the regel, we're going to suspend the chumras of, of the Tumantara, and everyone is treated like chaverim, even the Amearitz. 
Question is, so you opened up your barrel and you had a great yantiv and now you have leftover wine. You have leftover bread. You have leftover matzah. Okay, are you allowed to use it after the yantiv? So that's the machlokas. Rebuda says, yeah. In other words, we said it was tahar and it was edible all through yantiv. So finish the barrel, right? And Rechachamim say, no. It was tameh, right? But it was... it. Came in contact with Amaritz. We allowed you to eat it then. We're not going to allow you to eat it now. So Yosef, so the Gemara says, Yosef Ravami, Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha, Akila, the Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha. Yitzchak Nafcha had a nice house with a porch, and he was kind of chilling with Ravami, and they were hanging out, talking about this topic. So, Pasachad ve'amar. So, one of, they opened the following discussion. Okay. So, we know we have a Machalkas Rabbi Chachamim. Right, we allowed you to eat all this stuff that the Amayarats touched all through the regular in order to increase camaraderie. Now, after Yantiv, we have a machlokas whether you could use that stuff. What about when it comes to the next Yantiv? Right, uh, we, uh, full disclosure, still have matzah left over. I overbought by such a large amount. In order to prove the point, my wife is keeping the matzahs and using them this Yantiv again. Okay, so can you use the Yantiv again? It passed through Yantiv, and now the Amayarats, you know, touched them. Now you know that they touched them. And can you use them? Okay, so let's say you even held like like the chachamim that you're not allowed to use them during the year, but now it's yantav again. Can you use them again? So amalei idach. So one said to the other, yada kol mimashim But everybody touched this. All the all the right amaratzim touched it. You know that it has a chashash tuma. So why are you allowed to use it once you know that they were touched? Amalei atu ada idna lav yada kol mimashim What you think they didn't touch it all yantav long? And yet on this on last year Pesach you allowed them. So why not use it for Pesach? So amalei. So he said, yeah, is this a comparison? I understand until now during Yantiv, the food could be sold. But because as we say, the Torah, or as we say, the Navi in Shoftim says it's okay because we treat everybody like friends and we suspend and we treat every Amaretz like a Chacham during the regal itself. Yeah, but now, right, that, the, that Yantiv passed, we, we certainly know that the food is Tameh and so therefore it shouldn't work. Well, so the Gemara attempts to base it on our, uh, on the following. Maybe it's a Machalakas Tanaim. After all, we have Machalakas in our very Mishnah, whether you can use it for the next Regal, right? My love Tanaihi. Well, that wasn't really the Machlokas. The Machlokas in our Mishnah was Yigmarena versus Lo Yigmarena. Can you finish that which you started in the, in the Regal? So maybe that's what they're arguing about, though. If you can't finish it, so then that means you can't use it the next yantiv. And if you can't finish it, then you could use it the next yantiv. The Gemara says, "Lo, that's a two different machlokas." Right? That's the machlokas of Yehuda and the Rabbanon is whether you allow to leave it, uh, finish it rather. But it doesn't have to necessarily reflect whether you could use it the next yantiv. But the Gemara says, "Vetisbra, how are Yehuda Yigmar Kamar?" Now, those of you who says that you should finish, so he says, no, what it really means is that you don't have to leave it aside for Yantiv. You could sell it immediately. In other words, it is not a reflection of the machlokas that they have. The machlokas that Rebuda and the Chachamim have are actually go above and beyond the machlokas about whether you could use it the next yantiv. Once you say whether you could use it the next yantiv, that is a separate machlokas. Rebuda is saying an even bigger chedesh is what the Gemara is saying that e- that you don't even have to leave it if you want. You can leave it for the next yantiv. Rebuda gives a bigger chedesh, which is to say, once you've already started it, you should be allowed to continue and finish it because 
as the Mepharshim explained, if we didn't allow you to do that, Rashi explains, then maybe you would be uh, hesitant to open it in the first place. And Rabbi Yehuda does not want you to hesitate because he wants everybody to have a great Simchas Yantiv. Maybe he's okay to have great Simchas Yantiv in the Yushalayim Abniyah together. We'll resume tomorrow with the Mishnah at the bottom of Chafav Amid Aleph. Okay.